Hello everyone, uh, I am Hector. I'm Devin. And welcome to our very own podcast. Today's episode, we will be discussing Game of Thrones and Star Wars. And we're not going to do this alone, we're actually going to do, we have two other guests. We're not gonna do this alone. Um, RJ and Phil. Say hi. Hey. hey, what's going on? Uh, the first thing we're going to discuss is Game of Thrones, uh, the whole series. The problem is, I don't know shit about Game of Thrones, so I'm letting you three kind of take over, but I'll, I'll try to jump in as much as I can, because Game of Thrones is actually, well, I mean, everyone knows what Game of Thrones is. It's a really, really popular show. Um, it just ended last year, which is why we're doing both um, Game of Thrones and Star Wars, because I feel like they both have a lot in common, especially last year, since they both released their finales um, of their respective franchises and uh, left us kind of um, split. You know? Fans yeah, have definitely, definitely been divided. They have definitely been divided by both se- both the respective series. So, go on. Talk about Game of Thrones. I, f- I feel like Star Wars is definitely split right now. I think a majority of fans are disappointed with the season finale with seven and eight. Because after the success of the first six seasons, which were really, uh, I mean, honestly, I think I'd have to agree with you there. Uh, um, RJ, Phil, what would you say? The first six seasons were done really well, but by the time you got to like the seventh, eighth season, uh, the actors' contracts were expiring. And the overall quality of the show just it, it felt like they were rushing it. Yeah. I was about to say it felt a bit rushed, honestly. But uh, you know, it's still a great I, I still, you know, I love Brooms really through and through. Uh, you know, back from the and, controversial ending, if you will. Uh, you know, I'm still a huge fan of it, so I'm gonna lean more towards the optimistic aspect of it here. But, uh, but I do definitely understand where the whole, where all the uh, negative negativity comes from towards the uh, last season, especially. For me, it, it felt like like they had these characters that were in the show like the whole time, like Gendry and stuff, and then they like in the books they are set up to do way more than their characters like their plot lines came to a fruit to i guess um i don't know and uh, the, I, I think the character they did it with the the worst is uh sam i think uh john snow's partner or whatever yep um he has this whole plot line in the book where he's carrying this horn that can uh, destroy the wall like it's his magical horn. And he, he finds it in uh, Hightower when he's down with the, the mages. And they just left that completely out. They left all this magical stuff that uh, Euron Greyjoy was apparently doing in the books. Uh, that it's I think that's, that's coming out in the next book. But just i don't know this whole storylines were just completely overrated i think the book has a much stronger story and it's not even done yet oh actually uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna like uh, bump into this um i did hear about that the the show yeah. kind of um 
kind of ditches the whole like book series in order to make its own story? Do like, you think you got that had like an effect on the rest of the season? They they kept some stuff in what I've heard, but they left out a whole lot more than they let on. Because one important plot line that I remember always is talked about in the books, and Phil, I'm sure you can talk I, more about I don't it, know a whole lot about Young Griff. I haven't read the books personally. I've just watched a, a lot of videos about them. I think that's the um, name. I'm still reading the first one. But, yeah, Young Griff was this whole character. There okay. are a bunch of other different uh, Targaryens that are in the books and extremely important. The Three-Eyed Raven, or the Blood Raven, he is apparently a Targaryen as well, like a Half-Blood Targaryen. There's this whole other sect of Targaryens, and one of them is leading the Golden Legion that comes and assists the Lannisters. Not in the book. And while I understand, like, the books haven't even been written yet, so you really can't expect them to create that story, they included certain parts of the book in, and then just forgot about those arcs entirely instead of taking their show a different route they were still kind of trying to adhere to what the books might be hmm. as opposed to creating their own show including yeah including with the books the show itself even without some of the books in it they the show is like has very strong characters in it too i felt like even without the inclusion of the books they still had like something there that they were the dragon with. and uh, i was just gonna ask uh, <laughs> which which was which one? your individual um, favorite oh, characters more. <laughs> <laughs> okay the one that lived <laughs> i know like two well died. There's three, there's three, Hector. <laughs> oh, yeah, spoilers. Yeah, you can talk yeah, about spoilers. Yeah, yeah spoiler the warning in the beginning. Um, well, for me personally, and it's such a basic bitch answer, but it was, it was just Jon Snow. Um, you know, not because I would give fucking everything to look like that, man. But um, just also because I feel like, you know, as a character, he was one of those, like, I, I have a big thing where I hate characters that are like crafted to perfection, um, like like Ray, who we'll get to later on, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I just and I feel like Jon Snow was just one of those. It was very true to himself and his morals and everything that he did, even if it was like totally against what is probably the best thing to do or what other people. He just he wasn't perfect, but he was himself and he was true to himself essentially all the way through and i thought that was a really admirable trait and good for a hero um if you will but not a hero born a hero but a hero who earned the title and you know it was it was given to him along the way you know it was never something he wanted or or was born with and uh, i thought he wore it well phil what about you um, I would have to say Varys. Varys? Yeah, he has his own, like, whole agenda that, like, I I could never piece it together. It was really interesting. And 
I also thought it was interesting to see him just like slowly unravel himself to uh, Tyrion as they became closer and you start, once we did start to learn more, we knew less, you know? Um, but I don't know. I feel like that character secretly out of, I don't know. I think that character just had so much more impact than we could even know. I thought that was really cool. He really pushed the story along. My favorite character in the show was RJ knows, but um, my favorite character was Jamie Lannister because I I really enjoyed just how how they took his character arc with they took took him into the showboating cocky douchebag at the beginning that fucks his sister and. <laughs> You kind of take them like as a piece of shit through the entire show, and especially when he's butting heads with Ned Stark, like who you're supposed to see as the all good poster boy. Like he's like true to honor, and he's like just ev- someone everybody respected except Jamie. But as the show kind of goed on, you kind of he unraveled, and he he ended up getting captured. And, he lost his persona of the cocky douchebag and it kind of just exposed how he was to like how the world was with knights that he respected as a, as a young man, but he kind of learned that their code of honor, like, and how the knight's code is all twisted and everything. And there's codes in there that like always butted heads with each other's. Like he said, like, obey the King, obey your father, protect the innocent. And all that stuff, I thought that was really interesting to see from his point of view. I think a lot of Jamie Lannister's dialogue was like especially powerful. Like him in season two and three was like really, like really good with when he's a prisoner under Catelyn and uh, Brienne. I thought like what like almost everything he said was like fucking biblical, (laughs) but. In season three, episode five, I believe it is, when he's in the baths with Brienne is probably, like, my all-time favorite scene in that show. When he, when he reveals that uh, he, killed the, he killed the Mad King, and I just thought that scene was really right. well done. Yeah, he definitely provides an interesting uh, perspective of almost, like, an anti-hero like he's not a villain per se and he's very far from perfect and you know he they make it clear he makes it clear but he still has such an impact like positively on story progression everything and those around him but you know there's still that part of him that that is always just gonna kind of be uh, lean more towards you know the the darker areas morality and uh, but he's it, it's very like prophetic in everything that you know that he says and does it just there's this wisdom behind it that is like solely his that's really interesting to grab hold of as it progresses yeah so um and so would you guys um uh phil would you want to describe the plot or do you just want to like all do it together kind of like separately i think we can all do it together i just want to say that i know pretty much up until this point i've only said bad shit about game of thrones i love game of thrones and i view it as one of like the best things that ever happened to television 
that being said, I can only really make critiques on it because I feel like mostly everyone's on the same page about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. It's like my like Game of Thrones and Sherlock are like my two favorite shows of all time. Like Jen. So, uh, but there's still, you know, with that, there's a lot to critique. So, right. Yeah. So, story of Game of Thrones or Ice and Fire is it's really called. Uh, it begins with it begins. Uh, how many years is it after Robert's Rebellion? Like twenty something. About twenty years after Robert Baratheon. Uh, uh, which you could say a rebel that rose against the Targaryens and the Mad King to overthrow him for a few of the reasons were kidnapping Lyanna Stark, Ned Stark's sister, burning the Stark's father and oldest brother alive with wildfire. And basically, eventually, Robert's hand, uh, Robin, uh, what's his name? Lysa Aaron's husband uh, is mysteriously. Oh, John Aaron. John Aaron passes away mysteriously without, uh, like, nobody know, knowing what exactly really happened. And uh, Robert rides north to Winterfell and uh, asks Ned Stark to be his hand. With that being happening, he brings up his wife, Cersei Lannister, and a bunch of his Kingsguard, along with the Hound, Jamie Lannister. And uh, eventually, some unfortunate events happen with Jamie and Cersei, with Ned Stark's youngest son, Bran Stark, finding out, accidentally stumbling on Jamie and Cersei having sex, and uh, they end up plotting to try to kill him, but it fails by pushing him out of a tower. Uh, then it leads into a whole mystery with trying to figure out who pushed Bran, and that leads into a whole bunch of other shit. But, and while this is all going on, there's been a, another plot all the way up north beyond the wall, where there's these mythical legends that are coming back to life called the White Walkers. And, uh, uh, I guess that's that's the general plot. It ends up being a game of, a deadly game of chess for the Game of Thrones for the main characters mostly, while Jon Snow faces the White Walkers the entire time. And um, how would you say that they handled the White Walkers in the show? Um, could I, could I add that they were a little underwhelming, truthfully? Like there were a couple, yeah. Where you were like, "Holy shit!" But most of the time, they were just kind of. It was like The Walking Dead. Like as The Walking Dead progressed, like, at first you were like, "These zombies are real fucking scary," and then it went on, and it was like, "These guys are real fucking annoying." Like. They're just <laughs> Like, I don't know. yeah, I, that's how it was for me. Like, they were just, they were just kind of underwhelming and like got less creepy once you lost like the the shock factor. And it was like I don't know, they were just kind of there. Yeah, I feel like we yeah. learned pretty early on that dragon classic killed us. 
Yeah. And we learned pretty early on that fire would kill them. And yeah, like RJ said, they weren't ever really threatening. Like the way they're described in the books is they're just these ghosts that you can barely see. And they just, they're like, uh, you know, like Ice Race from Skyrim. Yeah. They're like that, but more like human. Yeah, that, to me, I, that would have been a lot. That would have been pretty. Intense. Yeah. But again, I, I guess it's with, I don't know, like technology and everything, I guess it's easier just to have what they had. Yeah. See Johnny's ghost into it. I'd say, like, them building up, like, some of the build up they had with it was intense sometimes, but then it eventually, like, kind of wore, like, wore out, the steam wore out. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought the, the the battle they had at the wall, like they knew several days in advance that um, the king in the north was going to, not the king in the north, um, the king beyond the wall was going to invade. And there's all this buildup. And then come to find out they have these giant scythes that you can just like swing down and just wipe them all out. Yeah. <laughs> and then after like 15 minutes, they're like, all right, guys, we did it. The real battle was inside the wall. That was actually really well done. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um. The I, the common theme with the with the White Walker battles, um, you know, it was just like, it was that whole like, oh my gosh, we did it. The day is done, and then bam, they're back. And it was like the first time I was like, holy shit, and the second time I was like, damn. And then after that, it was like the same. I'm like, it's the same thing over and over. You know, and it's like, like it should become to be expected at that point, you know, like, yeah, honestly, out of all the, the arcs and storylines that like the show kind of goes through, I really fucked with uh, the Lannister versus Stark with season two type era stuff. Season two was a gold mine, which I know that that's like part of the later uh, conversation that we're gonna get into here. But yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. What? So, um, I there's a there's been like talk about there's been I've watched reviewers and like podcast other podcasters talk and. Um, would you say that the main would you say the main plot of Game of Thrones was the actual throne, or would you say it's the characters learning to put apart, put aside their petty differences and learn to fight the real enemy, which is the dead? I think the characters in Game of Thrones are way too dynamic to follow either one of those. The, the, yeah, there's, like, there's so many like subplots and little other things happening. Like Tywin's whole thing is you need to carry on the family legacy, and that kind of gets instilled in Cersei, while Jamie's like, "Yeah, fuck the family legacy." <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. It's there's a lot going on in Game of Thrones. I think the characters are way too unique to box the whole show into a little thing like that. Thing like that. Yeah, like there's definitely there definitely are characters that are like, dude, we have to get together. You know, there's a much bigger threat going on than who's gonna sit on the goddamn throne. But you know, at the same time, there's there's like Phil was saying, there's those that are like just comp- that, that are their sole focus is the throne. Or you have like you know the Iron Islands and their whole thing is like, well, you know, we just want to be on the winning team. I wish so we, we saw more of the Iron Islands. Yeah, the Iron Islands. I think that there was a lot more potential there. I really do. All that they really had was like, ah, we have boats, and it was uh, again, it was underwhelming. <laughs> We're scummy pirates. Yeah, like 
I was, I was a bit disappointed. I feel like there's a lot of really cool potential there that I would have liked to learn about. Yeah, it felt like the Iron Islands were just basically disposed as traveling points. Yeah. Yeah. Plot convenience for the development of like Theon and the and the eventual introduction of Euron was kind of it. Like So um all right, moving on. Um which season would you guys say were probably the best out of the show right now? Ugh. I would say I would say Oh, that, I, I don't know. Three or four. It's like choosing your say, favorite child. I would say three or six. Because the whole uh, separation of church and secular state and that kind of dissolving on the, like, all Cersei's own fault and then just one case where it's one case. I, I thought that was an interesting story. Um, but I like season three a lot because... There was all the political tension. It was all about war and strategy. And we start to see Arya's plot develop, which I think the Faceless Men plot is super cool. Um, and again, that plays back into the whole Sam having the magical horn and the alchemist and the Faceless. Yeah, crazy. Um, but then it ends with the Red Wedding. Insane. The Red Wedding was one of the best, I, I think for me, one of the best, not only shock value moments, but just scenes in general in in like all of tv that i've seen so season three is is probably my favorite as well just for the moments like that i feel like there's there was no other season that that grabbed me and had me like oh i can't stop except for you know season three just did that better than probably anything that i've ever watched on television so and i i was gonna add on because with season three being also my favorite i was gonna say that it's with the shock value in the in the build to the red wedding it's also like really like it's earned like you can see how it's it develops from both sides like it's not just all of a sudden the bad guys win it's you see how rob stark kind of falls apart near the yeah. end and, mm-hmm. and i i just like that it's Amazing more de- it's yeah it's more developed than just Oh, the bad guys got up the upper hand on us this time, but no, you see where <laughs> our heroes make mistakes and uh, end up failing and getting themselves killed. Yeah, and at, at, as you know, Devin, that one was tough for me because I was a big Rob Stark fan, but uh, you know, yeah, you it were, was it was tough to see his fall from grace, like you were saying, you know, watching that the kind of like dissolution there, and it was you know watching that all come together. It was so interesting. But it was so painful and that the fact that I had that much of like an attachment to the whole concept and idea was when I think season three is really the one that made me realize like shit, I'm really in for the long run with this show. Like I don't I definitely don't want to put this down. I wanna see it through to the end. But that being said, I also thought season four was really strong too. I, I thought it was strong up until the I thought it was strong up until episode ten, but it was a certain I thought it was a I thought that they could have taken uh, Tyrion's character arc in a different direction, but they didn't necessarily go that way. Because um, uh, Phil, I think you know the Taisha arc. I am 
right now even struggling to call what happened in season four. I haven't watched the show in so long. Um, so it's the whole purple wedding. Joffrey gets killed, then he oh. gets put on trial. Oh yeah, that is a, okay. Yeah, four seasons crazy. Okay, <laughs> and by the end of that season, is Tyrion on his way? Yeah, he's on his way to Essos, right? Yeah, he kills yeah. Tywin, and then yes, he okay. But like the, I thought what could have happened was because Tysha was Tyrion's first wife that he talked about, right? And uh, basically, what happened? What he thought was that. She was just a whore that Jamie paid to like have sex with him so he could lose his virginity, but his father told him to expose that. But it turns out what Jamie did was that that whole situation was real, and when Jamie tells Tyrion that, Tyrion kind of turns on him and kind of feels betrayed by his own like his own brother, the only person that's ever loved him, and. I thought that would have been a really good development for him, but I I still liked what they did. With, I still thought it was good what they did with him, but not. I thought it could have been a lot better. I think they did really well with Tyrion. I think he's probably he's definitely top three favorite characters for me, but I think he's probably number two. I really really like what they. Yeah, I would say he's one number two. Yeah. Well, like he's just such like a he's one of those characters that like whenever he does something, it just kind of makes me smirk. Like he just has that. It's like that that wit and that being there all the time, but not necessarily always being the forefront. Uh, it's sort of like Barrett's in a way, but but less so. Where Barrett's is like literally in the shadows. Um, it, it's interesting to see his hand kind of always in the mix. I was gonna say my number two was Tywin. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um. I've always yeah Tywin. Uh, I'm a sucker for the Lannisters, to be honest. I just, well, I, I thought it was really, really like, because the thing that kept me through season, like something that always like held my attention in season five and six was the whole, the whole Sparrows arch with Cersei and how she was dealing with that whole thing. I thought that was probably a really good freaking arc for her. But uh, uh. okay. Uh, the whole, I was saying, like, the whole arc with Cersei and the Sparrows arc was probably another top ten favorite arcs in the show that I thought was really fucking interesting. And that was, that actually happened in season five, didn't it? Yeah, they'll see, they'll see, it carried on to season six, too. Okay, okay. Because, um, I remember, I don't know, like... It, it might have just been me, but I felt fucking. I I felt like I fucking hated the sparrows at the end of season five. Honestly, at the at that point, right. And I I also enjoyed how Tywin was able to manipulate everybody too, because I remember how uh, what's her name, Olena. Tyrell was probably like I thought she was one of the hilarious characters with how savage yeah, she was. was yeah. I thought it was hilarious how she like left everybody speechless after she roasted everybody, but then Tywin was one of the few to actually like kind of keep her on her toes. 
Yeah, she was a she's definitely a great character. I was a big fan of her. Uh, going back to the uh, the whole like sparrows thing, uh, I actually remember Devin when you uh, first like got me into watching the show and everything. Um, and I just was like, man, I, I hate the Lancers. I hate Cersei. I hate blah blah blah. And you were like, just wait till like season five, season six. You're gonna feel bad for Cersei. And I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm ever gonna feel bad for Cersei. And uh, you know, there was a brief moment where I think I felt bad for her. So I was, uh, I was with you. She's, I think that she was a, a well, like a well done character. Um, and you know, I respect the the how they did the character and how she went. But she's definitely not one of my favorites by any means. But I did think that that was really pivotal, and you know, that that was that was important to her. Uh, yeah, like big time. So I, I I liked watching that arc unfold as well. Yeah, that was. I, like I said, I, I I hate to say this, but the Lannisters are probably like some of my favorite characters in the show. Because like I do enjoy I I enjoy um, John. I I enjoyed Ned for how little he was in, and I enjoyed Rob for how little he was in too. But the Lannisters, I felt like had the like probably like some of the best arcs and some of the best stories in there. Yeah, they were they were definitely really interesting. I think my favorite part about the Sparrows is that like the whole time you're watching Game of Thrones, you're just watching the stratospheric battle between extremely powerful, wealthy families. But then as soon as the Sparrows come into the picture, then they're kind of knocked out of the game for a little bit. And I thought it was interesting because that's like the only time in the entire season where Cersei was ever out of the game. And yeah. Yeah. she got brutalized. Cause, and it's it's all like set up too because like with them killing off Tywin and then Joffrey because if, cause if either of those two are around like none of that shit would have happened to Cersei or anybody because it kind of replaces it replaces Joffrey with Tommen and it shows you how like yes Joffrey was a statistic fucking like psychopath but he like he would have he wouldn't have let any of that shit happen to his mother or neither would have Tywin because he would have sent like an army how they did at the near like the middle of season five when they tried to stop uh, what's her name from walking. Fuck I know. Uh, RJ, yeah. who's who's the who's the bitch that we thought was fucking hot? Marjorie. Marjorie, there we go. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, dude, you gotta narrow it down more, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a little too brief. <laughs> yeah, Marjorie. She yeah, she definitely. Uh, yeah, her and her and uh, her and little Tom and was was a little interesting. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's part of the reason why all that shit ended up happening in the first place is because he was pussy with like kind of made the whole thing get pretty fucked. But, yeah, because they showed how she was manipulating him, and they they also showed how she manipulated Joffrey almost. Yeah, I should breathe though, like. to see him go, but, you know, at the same time, so. 
character. Oh, I love to see the neck. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing is, um, so I, I don't know if you know a whole lot about them, but I'm thinking you might have done your own research, RJ. But uh, those guys, huh? Can you hear me? Am I breaking up? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, we okay. can hear you. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, but um. Yeah, I was saying I don't know if you like know a whole lot about the changes from the books, RJ. But that was like the next topic I was going to discuss. Changes, yeah. I'm not too too big on it. All I know is that like Tyrion didn't have a nose. Um, I definitely, I, I definitely do want to point. Um, I would feel like a pretty bad fan if I didn't. Um, you know, it's just something I got to get around to. But yeah, I'd love to hear about like what you guys know about it so far for sure. Um. Uh, so you said you're only on the first book right now, Phil? Yeah. Um, so, like, all I've seen, like, I I know a bit about, like, from the changes that they did with the books. I don't know every everything, like, uh, the videos I've seen and stuff. Like, I've I watched a few lore videos. Right. Of, like, and, um, one thing that I do know that they changed was the, uh, the whole plot line in Dorne down south. I actually don't know much about that. Do you want to go further into that? Yeah. Um. So, the whole plot line with Dorne was that the Sand Snakes, they the, uh, Oberus Martell's bastards, they were actually in line. They were like in line with keeping, uh, Marcellus alive. Uh, Cersei's daughter. They they didn't want to kill her. Actually, they wanted. Her to put her on the Iron Throne instead. But, like, the whole... There's, like, a whole, like, di- like whole politics in Dorne that's actually supposed to be really freaking good. I don't know everything, but there's supposed to be a whole session with them. But they end up trying... Instead, they, they do want to kill the prince because I think they... They're, they're, it's the same way in the show. Like, he's he's very like pacifist he's not trying to start a war with the Lannisters after his brother's dead but right. their attempt to kill him is actually a failure and they want to take Marcellus to make her ruler but I that's all I know I don't know about and the assassin assassination attempt on him was a fail instead of a success in season six like it was and um I also know that they they also really tried the I I know I I understand that people like the Hound and Brawn, but I know that they weren't supposed to be in the show as long as the, like they weren't supposed to be involved in like how they are in the show right. at all. Because Brawn he disappears around he's supposed to be gone around season four apparently, but he stays around in season five. And that makes sense because it seems like in the show, they kind of just like pull Braun out of their pocket whenever things are getting bad. Yeah. And I felt like that was kind of like, kind of a weirdish 
attempt to try to appease fans. I understand that you want to do that with your show, but I feel like it's kind of like the wrong way because I felt like Braun was just there to be there sometimes. Right. But I loved, I loved like, Braun I, and I love the Hound. So I, mean, I think that, you know, any, any chance I got to see the two of them was pretty great. So I am not surprised by the idea of them being like fan service, the reason that they're sticking around that long. Um, and I'm I okay thought, with that. Yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job with the Hound. The Hound was definitely more of a vehicle for the story to progress oh, yeah. than Braun was. Um, I, I, I can agree with uh, the creator's decision to put Braun in the show. Or not Braun, uh, Hound in the show and keep him in the show. Although I don't really think he... I think it's out of character for him to get involved with the White Walkers and everything. Yeah. But, uh, like, the main reason that I saw them keeping the Hound alive was because they wanted to do the Clegane Bowl. And because everybody, everybody turned that into a big meme, but... Originally, the Hound was supposed to die back in season four. Was no, no, that I after like... Arya left him for dead? Yeah. Yeah, that's when Arya left him after. I don't know if because that makes it sound weird. But that's, I mean, it was just the relationship between the two of them I thought was really interesting. Uh, you know no glory to her at all it was just like this kind of like ramshackle rugged mess of a man essentially doing the same job just out of you know i I actually don't really know his motive for it if i'm honest i guess attachment yeah i thought like putting him and Arya together was really good though like their dynamic in season four with her kind of like in a weird way coming up as a mentor for her because he definitely taught her a lot of shit right with um just how the world works like how he says he's just like she tries to say he's the biggest shit in the seven kingdoms and he's just like i just know how the world works and everything and i thought how like taking his perspective was really interesting But again, I just uh, like they 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 did something with the hound. Unlike they tried to do something with Braun, right. kind of. I I just because I thought the little I didn't I thought the team up with Braun and Jamie was kind of weird, to be honest. In, especially in season five, because like it felt like a buddy cop duo. I mean, there was a certain yeah. point in the story where uh, Braun was already promised all of this stuff. And, like, in the show, they make him reluctant to, like, come back and help him. But then I feel like that is not in line with what his character would have actually done. I feel like he was actually supposed to be gone after he served Tyrion's purpose. He never should have came back in the picture because of Jamie to go down in the door. Yeah. Those the next thing I was gonna bring up was uh, Jamie, because in season four, apparently Tyrion was supposed to expose how Cersei cheated on him with uh, 
her cousin and that was supposed to that was supposed to break um that was supposed to break Jamie's and Cersei's relationship and he was supposed to actually leave her after that. And then then that's how the whole uh, you know Lady Stoneheart Right. You've heard that? Yeah. Because that was when, because I don't know if you heard that, RJ, but Lady Stoneheart was uh, Catelyn Stark, who was brought back to life after the Red Wedding by Thoris Amir. Really? And yeah, Thoris Amir brought her back to life like he did Beric Dondarrion. And she was supposed, I guess they kind of like mixed her arc with Arya because she was supposed to be the one that's taking revenge on the Red Wedding and everything. In the and but, this happens, yeah. In the in the books, this happens. Wow. And there's supposed to be this whole dilemma where Brienne meets Lady Stoneheart, and she command like she's like saying, "You need to kill Jamie because Jamie was sort of involved with the Red Wedding." And then there was going to be they haven't finished that yet, but there was like a big cliffhanger with what ja- oh, what Brienne was going to do, either like side with Jamie or Lady Stoneheart which would I thought would have been a really good arc because in season 5 I believe it's just like Brienne sitting around most of the time in season 6 My which, um, which, uh, which, uh, I was going to say which is a good point Phil brought up with is that this show could have easily been like 16 seasons or something with how much crap is like left out and everything. Like this could have been like a 16 season masterpiece. Yeah. I think, I don't know. My thing with Game of Thrones is they, In the books, there is so much more depth in not only the characters, but the characters' families and the other places in the world. Where when you're watching the show, you only really get to, like, you only get to the only places that are realized and the only characters that are realized in the show are the characters that you're actually watching on the screen, which they're not possibly going to have every single character on the screen. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they obviously, they they were going to have to cut a lot of stuff out just to make it, you know, fit on TV. I think it could have definitely been, you know, a 16-season masterpiece, even if they did cut a bunch of stuff out, but just left those things happening in the background, you know? Yeah, like, it's... Like, it's not ex- explicitly shown. It's just, like, talk through the characters, right? Yeah. Like, they have all the ravens and stuff where they already get news from the other side of the world, you know? There's no, there's nothing saying that, like, the whole Sam storyline, which, I mean, he already goes to all the right places. He already goes to, um, it's not, it, they're not mages. What are they? Uh, maesters. The maesters, yeah. So he goes to, uh, the college in Old Town, and apparently there, that's when he meets the Faceless Men, and he meets the same guy, Jack and Hagar, who escapes with Arya, and then kind of ties him into the Faceless Men plot, and then when he comes back to Jon Snow and tells him that, 
Lyanna Stark is his mom instead of his aunt, he's supposed to also have this horn that is supposed to save the day and create this whole other thing that's supposed to happen. There's just, I don't know, there's so much stuff they cut out that I don't feel they should have cut out. Especially with, like, the whole family history things. Because they're way more intertwined than the show lets you think. Yeah. Um, so, moving on, I guess these two can basically be put together, the, uh, what you guys think was, wor- like, what you thought was the worst parts about season seven and eight. For me, well, I mean, the rest of the show was a masterpiece. For, for me, season seven and eight seemed extremely rushed. Um... It, I, I just felt like the whole time they were, instead of like actually showing us what was happening, they were filling it with all these scenes of just like two characters walking together and they break off from the group and then they kind of settle their beef or they kind of wrap up their storylines together and then it moves on to the next scene and the Hound is walking with Thoros and they're talking about what it means to be alive and then Thoros dies and you know you kind of saw that coming because he just talked about dying five minutes ago. I don't, it just, yeah, it seems yeah. like they were just killing him off prematurely. The whole story is rushed. They were trying to get all the plot lines and stuff in through those little dialogue chats while the characters are walking through the north or all the characters are like alone in a building or whatever. Seemed really lazy. I wasn't a huge fan. And I. I kind of thought that was probably a really dumb plan for them to actually just go into the north and bring a White Walker to Cersei. I didn't. I didn't like that part at all, honestly. Yeah. I. I mean, and this is going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, where at this point, they all they have are like bullet points for where the books might potentially go, not even where they're gonna go. At that point, as the creators, I would have just made the creative decision to go my own route with the story, with the the plots I already had developed. And they wouldn't even have to have ended at season eight because they could have just, you know, finished up the storylines. I think Arthur's gone. Yeah, he just texted me about that. Gotcha. But uh, keep talking. Um, Where is that? What was I even saying? <laughs> uh, um, the whole plot lines with season seven. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I definitely feel like they could have just taken the show their own route and ended the storylines as even even as like the actors contract expired. And they could have kept the story rolling and they could have ended it on their own terms instead of, oh no, we only have Cersei till season eight. Let's just cut it off there. Yeah. And I thought like what they could have done, even with the actors um, contracts expiring was that they, I thought they were going to try introducing like characters that they kind of forgot about. Like I thought they were just going to like, I thought I, I know it would have been, 
kind of cheap to do that, but like they were going to kill off some of the people that they couldn't keep and try to get like play into more characters. And trust me, that can go wrong. Like you can totally ruin your show by doing that. But I yeah. feel like they kind of destroyed the legacy of their show by releasing those last two seasons the way they did. Yeah. Um, and I, I understand that like, all the stories do have to wrap up and the story was going a certain direction that they wanted it to go, so they had to get it there quick. It just seemed it seemed so against what the rest of the story had us thinking it was leading up to. And that isn't always a bad thing, but it just felt underwhelming. Um, I do have a question uh, for uh, uh, since you guys are talking about um, how they rushed through season 7 to 8 and uh, Phil, you mentioned that the the show could have like like kept going to like sixteen seasons. Um, what do you guys think would be like a really like like realistically what would be like a really good time to like end end the show? I think that depends on how much they cut out from the books. I think if they didn't really cut out anything from the books and they left everything the way it was like at the beginning just kept going at that pace it would have been 16 seasons um i think realistically the way they had the show set up they could have ended it in like 10 seasons yeah i was thinking of that but because i'm yeah just i don't know because like i don't like because i I would think like the reason why is because people wouldn't really be able to understand too much. But with how the show was, how it took it, how it's took its time to establish everything, I felt like it could have easily like done that too. Yeah, like I mean, kept by everything the time from the books. You're at the second season. You're already pretty much caught up with everything that's happening. Well, not everything, but the main gist of what's happening in Westeros. You know, yeah. I feel like the the whole show was pretty it, easy to grasp. And they could have just tacked on a lot more instead of just recycling the same characters and the same storylines and the same arcs. Like, because the show doesn't have to hold your hand when you're watching it. It it's easily like set like it lays out everything in a very like understandable way. Like it's not to like like I can understand if you get lost sometimes, but the, it takes its time like establishing itself, so it's easy to follow. It's easy to follow, but at the same time, like, right off the bat, you're kind of exposed to a lot of information. And I feel like if you're watching that show and you could pick up on the information on episode one, then you were set up pretty well to keep picking up all the information throughout the story. And I don't feel like there would have been... I don't feel like having all those different storylines would have been too confusing because all those characters eventually do cross paths with one another yeah like there's this whole thing in the book where Euron Greyjoy might possibly be uh, the blood uh, the, the blood raven's uh, protege before Brandon Stark because in the book he's talking about all this like sacrificial blood magic and crazy stuff where like in the, in the show he's just a pervert uh, just a scum pirate yeah but in the in the book, he's talking about all this crazy stuff and how he's, like, actually the chosen one and how, like, he knows things other people don't know. 
that's really interesting, but we didn't see any of it. Yeah, and he, he was supposed to have spent, like, time with the warlocks from Karth, wasn't he? Yeah, he was supposed to have been all over the place. Like, he's supposed to have a ship of his own full of treasures that he's collected from the, the outer reaches of the world, which also we don't get to see at all. We get to see Valyria once, even though they're talking about it from the first episode onward. Oh, and don't forget when we get to see Arya going away on a boat. Yeah. Forgot about that incredible preview we got. Of the... <laughs> that was ridiculous. But yeah, again, just the Iron Islands getting cucked all over again. Like, honestly. Like, I felt like that that could have been like an entire season by itself. Oh, yeah. No, it was, I, I, I kind of joined in in the middle of the uh, conversation with the, with the seasons and being rushed and everything. But, but yeah, no doubt. Like, that was – there's so much more that – like, and the fact that it was a condensed season too, like it wasn't even a full-length season, proves the point. Like, like it's, it's literally right there that they just didn't even put in a full season's worth of content. And I would have hated to see, like, how they would have done it with only just season seven, because originally they were just going to do 10 episodes for season seven, and then they added the last three to season eight. That would have been ridiculous if they only did. Yeah, no way would I have been. Um, RJ, what about what? What issues did you have with season seven? Oh, oh. Are we talking season, <laughs> season seven, eight, or like just seven alone? Just seven right now. We'll get to eight. I'm trying to remember what the fuck happened in season seven. Like, it was just like Jon Snow. That was the whole, you know, Jon Snow and Daenerys, and they were going to, uh, to uh, what is it? Dra- not, not Dragon's Reach in Skyrim. What the fuck is that place called? Where they find the dragon glass. That little island. Where they were the uh... Dragonstone? Yes, Dragonstone. Goodness gracious. Yeah, Dragonstone. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, Dragonstone is like, like that was all season seven, right? Uh yeah. Yeah. Season seven was I don't think as bad as as season eight. But like I don't like. I didn't. I didn't hate the uh, the whole like Daenerys John thing too much. Um, it was definitely a bit weirder near the end of it, but you know, par for the course of Game of Thrones. I wasn't really <laughs> that too much. Um, I don't know. I I thought I liked because I got to see a lot of John and everything, but it was like, I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of people. It was a lot of hand holding in the sense of like, oh well, if we do this, you know, then, then maybe this, or maybe we shouldn't do this, and then they go to Daenerys and be like, well, we shouldn't do this, and then it was like, oh boy, I wonder if they're gonna argue, and then there's an argument about it, and that it was pretty much like that, like wasn't a whole lot of development as much as there were being like, if this happens, this will happen, don't do that, and then it kind of. I wanna, I wanna add on to that and say that I totally agree, and that like season seven and eight. While, like, the first six seasons, all the characters were super dynamic and had, like, their own progressions and their own downfalls and stuff that, like, happened throughout the show. Season seven and eight, they kind of just get stuck. And 
they don't really change at all. Nothing changes their mind. Like, and I think that's especially with like Tyrion and Daenerys, where like Tyrion kind of falls back into like his alcoholic ways, and he just doesn't give a fuck. Her, and he doesn't do his job at all. He's just kind of giving up. And his, his like, I don't know. It just seems even season seven and eight. The whole time he's just begging to either Cersei or to Daenerys to do the right thing, and they never do the right thing. And I think I think Cersei, her character should have been static. I think that was important for the plot. But I mean, Daenerys kind of got stuck in that Mad Queen state for like a whole season and a half before she actually went and burned down King's Landing. Like we kind of all saw it coming, you know? Yeah. Like, the characters just lost yeah. their values that they've been developing and, like, working for yeah. the entire time, and it all just... And it's not even like they, they... It's not even like they lost it because something happened. They just kind of reverted back into it. Yeah. There wasn't really an argument going back into your own ways. They kind of just slid back into their own ways. Because uh, I was going to mention that what I was disappointed with was how... Tyrion kind of reverted into like a little sniveling like wimp in season seven and eight when I was really I was really hyped to see him like kind of go head to head with Cersei because like how you see him in seasons like one through three with how he treats Joffrey like he just smacks him around like how he smacks him around even though he's king and like how he can like command authority even to higher people than him. Yeah, I agree with that. I think yeah. kind of like your grace. Uh, perhaps we should not your grace. Like it's yeah. not. It it doesn't feel like his character for him to just sit there and watch uh, Daenerys do all these things that it's exactly the opposite of what he's saying, and then not do anything behind the scenes to try to stop it or to get yeah. in his way. Like especially with Varys right there, and Varys is telling him to you know fuck it up, you know, for the realm. That's, uh, I was going to bring that up, Phil, because I felt, because uh, I was going to say, like, I probably know that you hated what they did with Varys. Yeah, Varys, all right, so you know at the very beginning when, uh, I don't even remember her brother's name, but, Dar- but Daenerys and, oh, Daenerys and Viserys are in Essos, or Essos, and they're with that uh, Illyrio Mapatis guy who's just some rich guy and he just mm-hmm. seems like yeah, we, we don't know anything about him they're just in his house and we're like what the fuck and then he's just gone and he doesn't show back up until they need to go back to Essos but he and Varys are supposed to be like business partners and they're secretly trying to uh, put up a false Targaryen who is actually part of like these half-blood Targaryens who turned against the Targaryen family. Um Yeah, because I was gonna say that's supposed to be young Griff. Like is there trying to hype up Daenerys when young Yeah. But I like problem with Varys was you see how Varys is like he explains that he is not a hero and he's like he's he's gonna he's always gonna try to like not ex- he's not ex- necessarily like I'm gonna save myself. It's just like he does things from where he can keep power, but he helps himself in a way that 
he's able to keep himself alive, but save, like, keep the it's people alive. It's not selfishness. Yeah, but in season seven and eight, it feels like he's, like, he kind of, he doesn't stick with his character. Like, he's all of a sudden, like, saying, like, oh, we need to, like, we need to keep John in power. Like, we need to, like, he's in season eight when he's trying to assassinate when he's trying to poison uh, Daenerys, and I felt like, why would he do that in like her own keep? Why would he do that, in Dra- Dragonstone? Yeah, it does. It did seem a little out of pocket because he's like the whole time. You know, he proves that there's so much more to him, and you know, nothing's black and white. And this smart, smart, smart dude, and that was just kind of very out of character and out of pocket. But then again, that's kind of what those seasons were all about. You know, it was it seemed like a lot of their quote-unquote development was just like being poked by the other characters like it, it wasn't like how they were growing because of the other characters like they were in previous seasons it was just kind of like it was like oh hey poke poke we should do this poke poke and it was a lot yeah of that. I, hated I think that. it i think it felt so rushed because <sighs> I, I i just totally forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> God damn it. That happens a lot. It was my poking. But, um, <laughs> um another character. Um RJ, how'd you feel about John? Oh. Oh. Can I talk can I say what they should have done with John that they fucking didn't that infuriated me? Please. Why the fuck did John yeah. not kill the Night King? <laughs> Wait, who, uh, that's who a, killed the Night King? That's a very... Arya. Oh. Why his, the his, fuck his, half, did his, John his cousin not do it? it? That whole scenario with her just appearing out of nowhere and jumping on the Night King and stabbing him and it led to John just screaming at a dragon and then he... Then she kills the Night King, and he's just yeah. like, oh, I was like, dude, what? what? Like, the whole time they've been alluding for, for this entire series, they've been like, this guy, you know, like I said earlier, doesn't want to be king, you know, but the people are choosing him. You know, this isn't true, but he, you know, he just he takes it and he, and he goes with it because that's what the people need, even if it's not what he necessarily wants to do. And it goes the whole time like that, like he's going to be on the throne, like it's going to lead up to him. And then they're literally like, oh, by the way, guess what? He's the true heir to the throne, all this other stuff. And then he doesn't fucking kill the Night King like he was prophesized to do. And then he doesn't even get the fucking throne. Like, it just bothers me that, like, I don't want to say they ruined his character, but the route that they took with him was like the opposite of what they've been setting up for the entire time. And it doesn't make me dislike him. It just makes me dislike what they did with him. Like right. that, that disappointment. And I, I think what I was going to say earlier is that I feel like the reason that season seven and eight feels so rushed is because like throughout the whole show, like all the characters are just like slowly unraveling and they reach like their breaking points of their their downfalls at like certain points throughout the story but in season seven and eight it's it seems like all the characters are just doing the wrong thing and they're all just fucking up at the same time yeah 
like that's not a good way to to you know to bring it into a story and let things unravel is just by having all of it happen at once. Especially over such a short period. I thought it was what I like. One scene that I absolutely hated was the the ending councils, like the when they're all like putting with Tyrion on trial, and I thought it was really stupid that nobody was even trying to attempt to like speak yep. for John because at that point. Like they completely forgot that he was actually the true heir to the iron. He's supposed to be the true heir. Like Tyrion forgets that, Sansa forgets that, Arya forgets that, Sam forgets that, and they're all just like. I thought for sure someone was going to mention it, but no, pick the dude in the wheelchair. Like honestly, though, I think out of all the characters except like John and Daenerys, maybe Tyrion, Bran was the only other one to make sense to go to the throne, but. For me, I felt like, like I felt like he could. His yeah, character okay. was meant to do way more than just sit on the throne and maintain peace in Westeros. I think his character yeah. was supposed to serve a much greater, deeper, more influential purpose, but not in the spotlight. What was what was it that um I can't remember what it went, what Sam wanted to do. He wanted to be like that scholar thing. What was that called? The maester. Yeah, a maester. Grand I Maester. feel like that would have been a more fitting position for for Bran. Would be something like a Grand Maester, like basically just like the yeah, the I agree with wisdom in the eyes of the kingdom. Maybe not necessarily like you know the one who sits on the throne and calls the shots and everything, but the one like you know informing and whispering into the ears, advising the king. Yeah, that that's a much more fitting position. I just don't. I don't think anybody looked at him and was like, that right there is a king. Like, I definitely didn't, dude. I was like, that's a that's a kid who's not even what, him anymore. What it seems like, like, like is like, like Bran What'd you say? got the throne because no one else was mature enough to deserve it. So they had to give it to someone who was literally like had the brain of a 3,000-year-old tree. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of it. Like, that's the only reason I can think of. And then no one could, like, say anything because they're like, yeah, I guess we have been fighting for, like, 15 years now. Yep. So this one is a little personal for me because he's my favorite character, but I absolutely hated what they did for Oh, yeah. Threw all of his shit out the window in a heartbeat. Everything. Because I, I even told Hector this, but they they li- literally killed, like, they literally ruined his character with one line of dialogue. You did tell me that. The one and, right before he rides off or whatever. He, yeah, he's in the tent with Tyrion, and then Tyrion's just like, if not for her, then all the innocent people in the kingdom. And then he legit says, to be honest, I never yeah. gave a fuck about the people. Oof. And I, I legit, <laughs> like, paused. I, I, I paused my screen and I and I had to take it back for a second because that was his entire that was his entire fucking reason he murdered the Mad King and everything. Like yes, it, like some yes, it was also his father, but he he had his code and it's sh- yeah. Like he was not gonna let innocent women and people die, and he legit just said fuck that. I'm just gonna go try save Cersei. 
and what I was hoping was that he was the one ringing the bells in episode five of season eight. I thought he was ringing the bells trying to save everybody, but no, it's just the bells are ringing by somebody. And Jamie just goes up to the Red Keep and takes Cersei and just dies under right. a pile of fucking rubble. And... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. since the second season, he was his character was progressing. Like when you first are introduced to Jamie Lannister, you can tell he's been that way his whole life, you know. And then, yeah, right after he gets uh, captured, then his story progression begins. That happens second season, all the way up until season seven, and then he just abandons everything we just watched him learn in the show in a heartbeat for his. Sister, um, he he kind of like through like halfway through season eight, he even kept it because like he went up there to fight for the living when he went to go fight the White Walkers, but apparently, but apparently that just like threw out the window when he said like oh, I'm just gonna go back to Cersei all of a sudden, reverting back to whatever he was in season one when he had plenty of like he had plenty of reason to actually like. Like I thought they were gonna like te- I thought he was gonna go down to King's Landing and kill Cersei because I thought what was gonna happen he was gonna see what she's become I thought she was gonna be like he was gonna see that she's gone mad and he was gonna have to kill her because he just couldn't let this happen but and <sighs> no. you know like we said earlier Game of Thrones is basically the show of a thousand plots and one of the big ones that pretty much was going throughout all the seasons was basically a Jamie Lannister redemption arc throughout the entire thing and um yeah it i was i was disappointed i i felt Devin in physical pain um when he said that line and just kind of left i was like i already know who's gonna be mad about that one because like it was just to see that the fate that he you know was was put to right then i was really disappointed um no, but um, Phil, how long how long were you like? When did you first start watching Game of Thrones? When was it? When it first I came out? I started watching Game now? of Thrones. Um, while season six was still coming out, and then I got the box set and I watched the whole thing all the way through. Because that that was when I when I started getting into it was around season six, but. I, I was gonna say I I've got to feel bad for people that stuck by it like that were yeah, watching it yeah. from day one because you got to think Game of Thrones was coming out the same time that Black Ops One came out. Oh my god! Yeah, That's a long time ago. And you just get like I I I can't even imagine how people felt that been there since day one and then like just watched this. Not happen. to mention all the people who have been reading the book since the nineties and the show finally comes out and then and they murder him. Yeah, that's true. I've pretty much just been like in it for a year and that was like infuriating to me. Now I, I hadn't really put it into perspective of like here's people that have essentially grown up with it, you know, like Yeah. Mm. Oh, it baffles me how rushed <laughs> those last seasons were, because just by how popular that show is and how beloved it is, like even people like my mom and dad who are not really into fantasy, they're really into the show. So it's it's still I just don't get why they had to fucking rush the whole show. Yeah, like 
like and like I said at the very beginning of this whole thing, you know, I I'm, I try. <laughs> pardon me. I try to lean more towards the side of optimism and just say that, like, you know, to me that show is, is still, you know, the greatest ever made. Essentially, like that one and, and Sherlock to me are like the greatest shows ever. And there's still so much more to take that show for as like incredible and such a masterpiece as opposed to what I can just call a lapse of judgment for the last season or so. You know, like. I don't think that it, everybody um, by the end of it, but I don't think that it that it ruined the show. I think that it was just it was definitely a fluke, but I don't think it ruined the show per se. I think it may have ruined some characters, but not the show. I don't know. Maybe I'm being like I I feel like it can. Specific. I was gonna. I feel like I can still kind of enjoy seasons one through six, but with just how I know it's going, I just can't get over. Yeah, that. I mean, I don't think it. It definitely didn't ruin the show for me. Um, because like every time I watch it, I notice more things. And now that I know about more shit in the book, I'm looking for all the, the hints they drop at all these other things that are happening in the world that they never really elaborate on ever again. Um. Yeah. It's I don't know. The last two seasons didn't ruin it. It's just their legacy and how Game of Thrones will be remembered moving forward if they do decide to do a remake is going to be heavily affected on well, geez, actually people really didn't like the last two seasons. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The same way that like The Office is frowned upon after season seven when Michael left, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Do you guys think they'll ever remake so, it? I don't think it will. I think it's too popular and too well known to, for it to be a remake. I don't. I don't think they'll remake it, but I think they will try to do a spinoff. The only thing I really hope is that there there's not too much overlap in the with like the story we already know. You know. Yeah. Um. There's some. They were supposed to do a prequel, but they canceled that. Huh. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. It was like Blood Moon or something like that, I think. That's interesting. But, yeah, I feel like they just... There's so many things in the Game of Thrones universe that they could make a spinoff on. I don't think they should choose any of the things that happened in this, like, 20 years that we've already explored in its entirety. And honestly, I'm not even sure if it should happen yeah. in Westeros. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, what would you guys give it an overall rating? Uh, one out of, like, one through ten. The entirety of Game of Thrones? Yeah. Yeah. Probably a nine. Maybe more, like, but just because, like, I feel like that, the, that that fraction of the whole that is the last, you know, if you want to even call it two seasons, you know, like I just I loved it so much, and it's still, you know, like heart everything, and I'd give it, you know, nine nine and a half highs. So yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones is one of the best things to ever happen to TV. Um. I can't 
off the top of my head, I can't think of any shows that I've watched that are better. Um, I would say I would give it an eight just because the last two seasons, of course, but also I think the writers, they didn't necessarily do a poor job. I think they could have done a much better job in picking which parts of the story they were going to leave in and out. I guess that's where a bit of my uh, like, ignorance to what happens in the books and everything becomes a problem. Uh, it's just because, like, you know, I, I don't really know, like, what was kept out and, and what was left in, that sort of thing. Um, so for me, you know, I went into it with the just with the blindness of being like, well, this is a new cool thing. And, uh, you know, I'll always love it for that. Um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have that, the, the books to you know, kind of work as like a guide as to what should have been. So I feel like that's, you know, right. but, yeah, well, sure. I, by the time I had like started learning about the books, I had already watched seasons one through six. So I was like extremely excited about Game of Thrones already. And then when I was first learning about all these things that were in the books, I was just excited that there was more stuff for me to like, you know, go back and, learn and see and read um when i do go back and read the books um but then when i started learning more about it it seems like especially with their certain like there's certain arcs and stories and shit where they mention them several times throughout the show like um like the i keep forgetting what they're called but they're like the second second barbarians that turned against them and I feel like that was a very important element they left out, and I feel like I feel like there were certain very important parts of the story that were in it. They just weren't elaborated on nearly enough. Yeah. For me, I'd probably, I'd probably, same with Phil, like a light eight, maybe a heavy, like a a hard seven. But, yeah, I just, the last two seasons really hurt me. What? Uh, I was going to say that, like, the last two seasons really hurt my score for it, but I'd still give it, like, a light seven, or a light eight, or a heavy seven. I got you. Well, I guess I'll start uh, watching the show. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of catching up to do, I guess. I only seen episode one, so baby steps. <laughs> baby steps for sure. I'm actually about to start rewatching here soon with my dad, so looking forward to it. All over oh, again. Yeah, but uh, Phil, like you, um, you can hop out if you need, because Phil isn't really. Up yeah. to date with Star Wars. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure, gentlemen. Honestly, thank you. Yeah, yeah catch thank you for having me on.